Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Cardinals head coaching search update. Update. Five o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Good afternoon. Happy Thursday to you. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Burns and Gambo show. Yeah, this is the latest on the Cardinals coaching search. There's been some movement, maybe not as much as everybody would like, but certainly some developments that are definitely worth passing along the closer we get to this. Do want to mention again, uh, it's Burnsy and the Kids today here on the Burns and Gambo Show. It's the show. best band name is what it is. Uh, I, 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 I don't know if that's as good as, like I recorded a podcast with the guys from Jimmy Eat World a couple of days ago. That's a pretty good band name, right? It's that's a good a, band name. Especially when you hear the story about how they named the band Jimmy Eat World. It's a pretty cool story, too. But Burnsy and the Kids does have a nice ring to it. Uh, it's Mitch and Eric kind of co-filling in for Gambo today as uh, Gambo is home tending to a family situation Everything's fine. The, the the family pet passed away last night. They laid their dog of 16 years. Uh, they laid her to rest last night, and uh, obviously that's a traumatic thing for for so many people. We've all been there. We've all experienced that. So Gambo taking the day off. We presume he'll be back tomorrow. So it is Burnsy and the kids today hanging with you on this Thursday afternoon. We are live at the Ainsworth. We're right across the street from Footprint Center here in downtown Phoenix, where the Suns are getting ready to take on the Nets. Here's the latest guys that we know with what's going on with the Cardinals. We know that Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator of the Lions, will interview with the Cardinals on Saturday. Okay, which means that and the other bit of news that we got today was that D'Amico Ryans, his interview has been scheduled with the cards. We haven't seen exactly when, but there was a report today that he's got a scheduled interview with the team. Mitch, you got I just want to throw out there, because I saw it earlier, Matt Mayoko, who covers the Niners for NBC, he put it out there that Ryans has his head coaching interview with the Broncos later today in person. Okay. And I imagine part of that was because the Broncos had flown to L.A. to interview Sean Payton, and now they're just working their way up. So Ryan's has not left the Bay Area, but he is getting interviewed today. Okay. That much right. So it, it sort of makes sense then if you're talking to Glenn on Saturday, and you've already spoken to Vance Joseph yesterday and Frank Reich on Tuesday, it kind of stands the reason that maybe your D'Amico Ryan's day, if you're the Cardinals, is tomorrow. Uh, we've heard nothing on the schedule for Brian Flores. Uh, Aviro from Denver. We've heard nothing of anything on the schedule. And of course, Sean Payton. Everyone wants to know about Sean Payton. Heard nothing about him being on the schedule and what that might mean. Uh, we just know that you know permission has been granted. It's been requested. It's been granted. And that's sort of the latest. What I've got here for you guys, though, is a, a symphony of sound from earlier today on the radio station of various insiders around the NFL kind of speaking very well of guys who have been put on the list. And I want to start with Brian Flores, probably because I'm kind of partial to Brian Flores as the next head coach. But this is O.J. McDuffie, who uh, obviously covers the team there in Miami, and he raved about Brian Flores, as you would kind of expect that he would when he was a guest this morning on the Bickley Marauder Show. What he did do, though, he got the most out of everybody. I mean, he really does, man. He he, he gets these guys going, man, and they trust him. I mean, you saw a couple times, I think, in year two, 
we had some tough hits on some of our players, and Coach Flores was like the first guy across the field to, you know, to try to handle some business, man, you know, and in the right way. But he just loves his players. He has a lot out of, out of them, but he's just a great leader of men, in my opinion. Eric? Well, the thing with Flores that I found interesting is he's, again, one of these uh, defensive guys the Cardinals are talking about. And, of course, the Cardinals have an asset in Kyler Murray, their number one overall pick that plays on offense. So I was looking into it, and I was like, hey, what has he done anything on the offensive end? But it turns out he actually helped Kenny Pickett this year when he was with the Steelers. This is from the Not Just Football podcast with Cam Hayward. This is Kenny Pickett giving Brian Flores some major props. Early on, I was struggling the two-minute drill um, you know, against you guys all the time. I was always trying to hunt that big play instead of letting the big play kind of come to me as, as the drive would go. So I was, And I would talk to Coach Flores. Like Coach Flo was huge because he kind of really helped me with the two-minute drill along with Coach Sully and Coach Canada. Um, we just kind of had – I would talk to him after every single one. He's like, you know, you're going to need that one chunk play. And after you get that – that chunk play, you should be good to just take what they give you down into the red zone, and then you got to make that big time throw to, to make you know to score. Mm. Uh, you know, getting that one big chunk play, that explosive, and then kind of taking what the defense gives us, mm. and then working on our red zone offense. Um, you know, that kind of mindset clicked with me, and then I it you know kind of stuck with me as the season went. Now, Mitch, that's not to suggest that Brian Flores has this offensive acumen that you know kind of pulls him into first place in the job hunt for the Cardinals. But but I, I hear that soundbite, and I and again I'm kind of predisposed to Brian Flores to a certain extent, it does sort of suggest a head coach-like mentality that he applies when he has that conversation with Kenny Pickett. Well, I mean, there you go. It's a guy who's a defensively focused coach, a you know, a former defensive player himself, had the head coaching job in Miami, and there was the reported ruffling of feathers between him and the young quarterback. So maybe this, maybe this was a growing moment for him. Maybe this was just how he's always approached it as a head coach from, you know, experienced vet to young quarterback trying to develop and be a staple in this league. It It's a positive note for those that are hoping for a Brian Flores as the Arizona Cardinals head coach um, situation because we have this unknown moody, as some people have described, quarterback in Kyler Murray, and you don't want the new head coach to rub him the wrong way unless it produces the results that we want from Kyler Murray. Also this morning on the Bickley and Murata show was Bob Kravitz. Now, he's a Colts beat writer who covers the Colts for the athletic website, and he spoke very highly of the name that, I'll be honest with you, it feels like Cardinal fans, and I don't want to speak for them all, feels like the, the name that is being talked about the least, or, or is gaining the least. I just I'm not sensing a ton of buzz about Frank Reich. I highly recommend Frank Reich. Uh, he got he got screwed here in Indy, big time. Um, now you know the team did struggle at the end of last year and the beginning of this year, um, but you know, and there were some whispers that he wasn't holding certain people accountable. You know, he's he's not a uh, he's not a tough guy, as it were. He's not going to be a screamer and a yeller. But I'll tell you one thing he can do, and you need this in Arizona, is he can handle quarterbacks. And I, and I do wonder, Eric, if it because he's not a screamer or because he's an offensive guy and the trend right now for this team seems to be defense, are you getting this? I, I'm not getting the vibe that he's that he's a hot 
commodity among Cardinal fans or a desired commodity among Cardinal fans? No, I don't think so, but I'm not sure if that's entirely fair just because his stint uh, with the Colts was very unceremoniously ended, and honestly, personally, I didn't think he deserved it. Oh, but no. You, you look at a guy like that who is labeled as a quarterback whisperer, but without yelling and screaming, which I guess goes with quarterback whisperer, but that, <laughs> that to me, I think, okay, that would maybe be a great offensive coordinator. I, I don't know if I'm looking for Frank Reich to be the head coach, but if he could be with Kyler, if he is this quarterback guy, I don't think he's somebody that you should turn your nose to because I don't think he's in the job market for a reliable reason. It's funny because if he does not get a head coaching gig through this cycle, and there's only five jobs available right now, the offensive coordinator situation is one that absolutely bears watching because with the Ravens letting Greg Roman go today and with the Bucks letting Byron Leftwich go today. There are now 10 teams, a third of the league, Mitch, who are looking for offensive coordinators. Let's say the Cardinals go defense, and certainly it seems like it's trending that way based off of the list. It doesn't necessarily guarantee, but it feels like it's going to be a defensive-minded head coach. Suddenly, the Cardinals are thrust into this very large pool of teams that need an offensive coordinator. And for the Cardinals, that immediately becomes the next most important thing on the list. You you hire a defensive-minded head coach, you better go get an offensive coordinator who can reach Kyler. You better find one who can pull out the best in Kyler. And I'm a little little concerned about how much competition there is in the marketplace right now in terms of supply and demand when it comes to OCs. Well, let's make the Venn diagram, because you said 10 teams need OCs, but we know the Cardinals are also a team that needs a head coach. Included in that part of the Venn diagram is the Colts, and that's it. So there's two teams that need a head coach while also needing an OC, probably because the Colts had Frank Reich and he was an offensive-minded guy. And then the whole Jeff Saturday experiment happened and they beat the Raiders and then they completely fell off a cliff. So who is going to be more competitive in looking for an OC? Is it going to be these teams that are also looking for a head coach so they can fill out the rest of the roster? Or is it going to be a team like the Ravens or the Chargers who have these young stud quarterbacks who are desperately trying to get their offenses back in rhythm and make all those draft picks worth their while? Well, and to your point, every team, when they hire a new head coach, they're immediately going to need an offensive coordinator, too. So that that list is going to grow. When the Broncos hire somebody, they're going to need an OC, unless they hire an offensive a guy like Sean Payton, even then, they would still probably want an OC when it's all said and done. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, it is time for our weekly segment with our son's guru from ArizonaSports.com. He's sitting right here with us at the Ainsworth. Kellen Olson next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with... Jeez, uh, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So, as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the sons and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burnsy and the kids, as we're calling it today for this edition. Mitch and Eric kind of co-filling in for Gambo today. We got a lead singer for the next set, I heard. (laughs) I don't. Kellen Olsen can do a lot of things. I don't 
know if he can carry a tune. Can I be the fun uncle? Is that who I am? <laughs> you, you, you can be the fun uncle. Ah, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Time to say inappropriate things. Cut off my mic before I do it. <laughs> Kellen Olson, our son's guru from ArizonaSports.com. Normally we talk to Kellen earlier in the day on Thursday, but with the lateness of the game and the fact that we're down here at the Ainsworth, we decided to do this in the 5 o'clock hour You know, so Kellen can go across the street and go to work and cover a team that at least is getting a body back. Maybe not all of the bodies back, and maybe not even all of the bodies we were hoping for with that little nugget we got about Chris Paul being upgraded yesterday. But Cam Johnson's back in for a, a team that's been wandering the desert for the last month and a half. It's a drink of water they need, isn't it? Yeah, it, this last couple of weeks has just been all about tempering expectations, and this kind of day is no different because Cam Johnson's not going to come in and revitalize their offense or revitalize their defense or revitalize their team play because the bottom line is we might see Saban Lee start tonight. Uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. has been the starter in these kinds of situations when Shamit, Payne, Paul and Booker have all been out, but Lee played ahead of Washington in, in the last game, so I'm not sure what we're going to see tonight. I would expect Wayne Washington Jr. to still start, but either way, we're talking about that from a ball handler perspective. Your two-way guard or the guy you signed on a 10-day starting a point guard for you, so that's kind of the situation the team is in, but what I wrote about on the site yesterday is this is like an emotional lift that this team really needs, and a lot of what you guys have been talking about today is that this is kind of the first domino, the first step forward, and you can imagine, like for us watching and reacting to it, we're excited, but imagine the guys like it's like okay we're starting to get guys back this is when we can kind of really start to piece together some things and this is when the schedule really lines up i know that you look at brooklyn indiana memphis and you say like it's it's still some pretty good teams but brooklyn without kevin durant indiana without tyrese halliburton like these are games you can take advantage of and then we get to like next week where you remember when we were talking about them playing charlotte last week last year and it's like yeah they're playing charlotte now it's like they're playing charlotte like they need to win that game <laughs> hey, we're talking about it a whole lot differently now that that is the closest thing to a must-win NBA game that you're going to find at this stage of the calendar. They better beat Charlotte next week. Absolutely. So, I mean, that seven-game stretch, Burnsy kind of laid it out like if you could just go 500 with what you have now, then you might be in a decent spot. And the the, we kind of got to three wins, so we're a game under 500 in that seven-game stretch between Indiana, Charlotte, and San Antonio. Of the other like remaining four, like could this even be the night that pushes them into that four out of the next seven range against Brooklyn? Yeah, for sure, because Brooklyn is a team designed in a way where they have a lot of good supplementary pieces. Nick Claxton has been one of the biggest success stories in the league this year. Like He might make all defense. He's been fantastic for them, and they've got other pieces at work as well, but they are so dependent on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but Kevin Durant especially, just like the Suns are with Devin Booker and Chris Paul, so you take out one of those two guys, and they're just a completely different team. Yes, they didn't have Kyrie the other night, but they got killed by the Spurs, and I think it shows their limitations as a team when one of those two guys is missing, so that game kind of, that moment kind of applies as well, but man, you just look at the state of the team right now and, and sort of how they're looking. It, it, the way that Kevin Zerman and I described it on the Empire of the Suns podcast last night is, I am team, and I wrote about this on ArizonaSports.com in another column where I am going to believe it before I see it in terms of, I think that once this team gets healthy in February, they're going to go off to the races. I think they're going to finish in that 30-game same size, I think they're going to win 18, 19, 20, 21 games, something like that. I think they're going to rip them off, and I think they're going to be able to finish top eight, top six, somewhere around there. I think there are a lot more people who are, I'll, I'll believe it, when I see it. And I think there are people that want to see the team play healthy and see how it looks, because we can't sit here and act like when Devin Booker went down, this team was the juggernaut that they were 
were last season. They still had plenty of problems that we were talking about, and we were still looking at them like a team that, okay, they can make the second round, maybe they can make the West Conference Finals, and we're talking about them as a title favorite, but I think they're going to start to put it together, but those are the two camps I think everyone is kind of deciding where they find themselves right now in terms of the optimism they have remaining in this team, but something you and I, Bernsey, talked about in the office yesterday is the good news is they're in the West, and that was not something we were talking about. We were talking about that in a completely different way a couple months ago because of how it was looking in the standings, but when you look at it from who's going to come out of the West, who knows? I have no idea. If if your story today at ArizonaSports.com provided kind of a roadmap of how you're going to get there, I I agree that that that's the best part of that roadmap is that the West, I, I see a lot of very talented yet very, not flawed. Flawed is the vulnerable basketball teams. I think that's the word that I'm looking for. I, I, I find Denver to be the least vulnerable of the bunch, probably because they they have been to the postseason. They, they've got a two-time, maybe three-time MVP. They've got Jamal Murray. But the Pelicans, vulnerable in part because, as you point out, Zion and Brandon Ingram haven't spent a lot of time together. I think Memphis is vulnerable because they kind of have this one-man band vibe about them come postseason. Youngest season. team in the league still. They're still the youngest team. Very young. Um, I, I think Sacramento, I mean, it, what a wonderful story. Man, they're the poster child of vulnerable right now in terms of lacking that experience and sort of question marks how they're going to respond. I know this. I, I know that this time a year ago, the Suns were on the other end of the spectrum. The Suns were at the top kind of looking at the bottom. Bottom. And we were looking at teams like, don't want to play them, don't want to play them, don't want to play them, or all right, I'd rather play them. Now, we were wrong because we all wanted to play Dallas, but I think the Suns will be that team if they can get in. And if they can stay healthy, somebody at the top is going to go, oh, man, I don't want to play them. I don't. Want, and I think that's the key to this whole equation here. And part of my optimism is, it, it, say they're, I, I'm picturing them at 6, 7, or 8 right now. Maybe they can get to 5 or 4. It's really interesting. Some of the advanced projections, some of 538's numbers, they're still really skeptical skeptical of teams like the Kings. Like They're projecting the Kings to finish under 500 at the end of the year. Really? Really surprising wow. with the drop-off that their numbers... Wow, sort that's of just rude. Yeah, but they've been rolling. I, I, I'm not going that far, but when you look at them as 6, 7, or 8 seed, you look at the top three seeds, and you're like, okay, you're not seeing... The NBA for so long was about the lack of parity. You're like, okay, LeBron's going to come out of the East, and it's like the Spurs or the Warriors or whoever in the West. There was that Rockets team with Chris Paul and James Harden that won 65 games. There is no juggernaut like that in the West Coast. Now, I could see if we were talking about the Suns, and we were like, oh, man, they could play Giannis in the first round. They would have to play Kevin Durant in the first round. I think the one guy we think of the most probably, we got to wait and see if Zion's healthy, so I'm going to exclude him from this, is Jokic, and we've seen DeAndre Ayton handle that matchup really well in the yeah. playoff series already. It's a different dynamic with Jamal Murray in there. I understand that Denver's a far better team this year. Aaron Gordon might make the all-star team this year. That makes Mitch Veraldis over here very happy that they got I'm, that I'm going I'm liking for. what I'm seeing other than some struggles against Minnesota last night. It felt like Minnesota opened a playbook on that. Yeah, and there's some depth things that they got to figure out, like the Bones Highland minutes are just getting massacred right now, which I didn't think was going to happen personally, but they're not, like, if, if you're in a 1-8 and you're thinking as a 1-8, you're like, man, that's going to be one heck of a challenge for them, but then you look at the one and it's it's Denver. Like, just beat them two years ago. Like, they've they match up with Jokic well. I, I would like their chances, and this is me, of course, not saying I'll pick them. I'd pick the Suns, but they have much more of a shot than any eight or seven typically would. No, I think what you do, I think you you draw on a map for how it can happen. And and to your point, that there's the I'll see it before I believe it crowd, and you're the I believe I'm going to see a crowd. I think to me the bridge between those two is when they get healthy can they stay there? Yes. Right? Like, that's the... Because I believe if they stay healthy, 
absolutely. I could see a scenario like you're talking about kind of unfolding. Can they stay healthy when they get there? Because if they can't, uh, it's not happening, right? They've got to stay healthy when they get there. Yeah, the numbers I had in the story is six of their eight most important players, if you would classify them as such, have missed at least 15 games this year. So that's 67 games that it's they can astounding. maximize that. The last year, they had six of their guys play at least 65 games. And this year, they'd be lucky to have two guys do it. And they only had two guys fail to reach 65 games last year. They were a part of their key rotation. They just need to stay healthy. And look, Okogi missing a couple of games with a broken nose. He's been great for them. And Landry Shamit still having these things. like that, that hurts, of course. But getting Cam Johnson back, huge. Once you get back Chris Paul, huge. Once you get back campaign, that's that outweighs it. If you can get those really big pieces back, and then, of course, you make the Jay Crowder trade, that would help as well. Well, you set up what I wanted to ask you. So if I give you two options, and only two options, because these are the latest reports that are out there. If a Jay Crowder trade ended up getting you Caleb Martin of the Heat, mm-hmm. or if a Jay Crowder trade in a three-team deal ended up with Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen, where are you leaning and which is more likely? I want the I want the two players for one. That was from the athletic story, right? Correct. They had yeah. another three teamer in there that was KJ Martin and Eric Gordon. I would prefer that. Now the Eric Gordon holdup is the money next year. That that is the holdup. But again, we're talking about a different landscape here. The Suns are not going to be a team that has cap space next year. It's just a matter of how big their luxury tax bill gets. And I'm not concerned about their luxury tax bill. So, if, but is if, Matt Ishbia concerned? That would be the question. That's what I'm saying, and that's part of what makes their situation so complicated right now. So I don't think so, and I think Eric Gordon's exactly what they need. He's a little bit less than he was last year in terms of a player, but I, I've looked at the two spots, and you would say right now, looking at their team as it's constructed, their two most important reserves are Campaign and Torrey Craig right now. I think those are the two spots that you want to not necessarily upgrade, but find other potential solutions for. I think if that's your first guard and your first one off the bench, and then there's a big drop-off like there has been at this point, I think you're in trouble, but if you can upgrade one of those spots, you're in a far better position this year. You can read Kellen's stuff at ArizonaSports.com exclusively at ArizonaSports.com Sports.com. And, of course, he's heading across the street, and he'll have a great write-up on whatever happens tonight between the Suns and the Brooklyn Nets. Kellen, as always, thank you for your time. You know, we appreciate it. T.J. Warren night, baby. Here we go. T.J. Warren night. Here we yeah. Go. Did you bring your cast considerations t-shirt? No, I didn't, unfortunately. <laughs> I brought my Ricky review. It's great to Aww. see Ricky back, by the way. It, it is good to see Ricky back. back. Yeah, no, it is. the best. He's uh, the best. That's going to do it for uh, Kellen here. And Kellen, again, his stuff can be read at ArizonaSports.com. Do want to remind everybody out there... That we've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you'll never miss any of the show. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Something we haven't talked about today is the mere situation the Suns are in tonight. They're playing the Nets. We remember this past summer with the Nets, don't we? Yeah, that's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, live at the Ainsworth downtown on Sunday. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, we're live at the Ainsworth if you're headed down here for the 8 o'clock tip time between the Suns and the Nets. Certainly make your way over here. Grab yourself uh, some good pregame food. Our promotions team is here. They're registering people to win tickets to go see Paramore or Imagine Dragons. And 
Dave Matthews Band. Uh, those are the three artists that are part of a concert series going on across the street during Super Bowl week. I wouldn't want to miss that. Uh, Just we, saying. We are registering people for tickets for that right now, and uh, that is the voice of our producer, Mitch Vereldis. He and Eric, back there in the Aachen Community Studios, are both kind of co-filling in for Gambo today. It's Burnsy and the Kids here on the Burns and Gambo Show is what we're calling it. And somehow we made it three and a half hours, and you haven't tried to, you know, strangle one of us yet for being bad kids. Well, it's just because Eric's back there in the studio. Oh. Yeah, I'm safe back here, man. He's <laughs> good. Eric's, Eric's protected back there. I can there. say whatever I want to you, yeah, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're totally insulated back there. You're, you're, you're like the bubble boy. You're, you're, you're wrapped back there. You're good. You're fine. I can't get to you. Uh, no, no strangulation at all. You guys have been great. It's been fun. It's, been, it's an experiment. We've never, we've never done it like this before. And uh, Gambo, if you missed it, uh, we certainly hope he's back tomorrow, but we also want him to take his time in coming back. Anybody out there listening right now who has ever had to put a family pet down when the time has come knows how difficult that can be and that's exactly what Gambo uh, and his lovely wife Chelsea had to do last night and uh, anybody who was listening to the show yesterday Gambo gutted it through I-, I could tell having worked with him for 12 years that that he was he was troubled yesterday because I knew they were going to do it last night and so certainly we're thinking about him and them and um, we just decided to do it this way today let's just go Bernsey and the kids and let's have you guys fill in so and you guys have done great it's been it's flown by it's been a real pleasure so um something we haven't talked about is just the team the suns are playing tonight this is the brooklyn nets and i know kevin durant's hurt and it would probably make a big difference eric if kevin durant were healthy and we were actually seeing him tonight but i just can't get over the fact that this was the game we circled when the schedule came out back in the summer and said oh man there it is the Suns can trade DeAndre Ayton on January 16th, and they play the Nets three nights. The first game they play after the Ayton trade eligibility is is in place is the Brooklyn Nets. And even like six months ago, five months ago, we were still thinking about Kevin Durant in the back of our minds is wondering how it can happen. Now, man, that feels like a light year away from us when talking about Kevin Durant. Yeah, I remember talking about it with you guys just over the summer, and this day, today, right now, we were talking about it like it was going to be one of the biggest days of the season. And it is still big with Cam Johnson returning, but even without Kevin Durant, today is a good way to kind of paint a picture on these two teams. The reason why we were all talking about Kevin Durant is because inside that Brooklyn Nets organization, things were not going great. Everybody was saying, oh man, downhill, Kevin Durant wants to get out. Well, now you sit here on January January 19th, 2023, the Suns are 21 and 24, absolutely struggling, waiting to get anybody back from injury. The Nets are 27 and 16. And since Jacques Vaughn took over as head coach, they've been completely different, even though KD has went down a couple days ago. They've still been a completely different team than they were where they were five months ago, six months ago, and back during the summer. I was going to say, no disrespect to Steve Nash, but I think Jacques Vaughn has really become a true head coach of what seemed like an absolute untenable situation literally in October. Sure has. Or heck, even in June, if you want to go all the way back to when Kevin Durant first requested his trade. So props to Jacques and more more so props to the Nets players as a whole for actually buying into what Jacques wants to do and look at where to where it's led them to Eric's point. It is it is sad is probably the wrong word, but it's unfortunate because you're absolutely right. They're they're us and we're them. 
You know, like we, we and when I say the sons as we, I'm only, you know, saying it kind of collectively, not because I'm part of the organization or anything, but they are what we thought we were going to be. And we are what we thought they were going to be. Right. We, we, the, the, I, 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 if you had said going into this matchup, one of these teams is going to have this record. One of these teams is going to have that record. I think we all, all would have thought the Nets are the one that are 21 and 24, and the Suns are the ones that are on the other side of the equation. And so what it's done now is nobody talks about the availability of Kevin Durant anymore. That ship has long sailed and is now, you know, halfway across the universe, so it seems. And I think for the Suns fans, the dreams of landing a co-superstar next to Booker are still alive, but those are no longer dreams of Kevin Durant. Those are dreams of, you know, Gilgis Alexander or Pascal Siakam. Siakam. Right, yeah, exactly. Eric, I mean, somebody, somebody, Kevin Durant has become an unattainable superstar in this league. And maybe his attainability was a very short-lived window, but that window's closed. It's not him anymore. Well, the only reason why he was available in the first place has nothing to do with Kevin Durant, the basketball player, and all with Kevin Durant, the person. This season, he's averaging 29.7 points per game, 55.9% from the field, over 93% from the line. He would have been that second guy. He would have been the first guy, not the second guy. He would have been the first guy on this roster because he is just completely different. But you'll never see Brooklyn move on from a guy like that if he wants to be there. And why wouldn't he want to be there at this point? Because everything is going so smoothly, you kind of got to take the Kevin Durant to Arizona era, the sounder that we played, the hope of that number two star next to Devin Booker being somebody like Durant. You kind of got to put that back now. I would say oh, there's a pretty much 0% chance of that You don't kind of got to put it back. Yeah, put it back. I mean, it's just, it's it's you got to... It's done. It's over. Put it with the uh, Jumanji game, close the box, drop it into the bottom of the river. Right. It's done. I mean, I mean, honestly, probably we're days away from putting it in the same place that we could put the Sean Payton idea that he's going to come coach the Cardinals. Maybe that's wrong, but it, it feels like they're both kind of destined. And part of the reason why, too, is the guy who's making his return tonight for the Nets. It has been an incredibly quiet season for Kyrie Irving, and not quiet in the sense of how he's performed on the floor. I just mean quiet last two and a half months. Yeah. Uh, like you, you, Let's not forget what he what happened at the beginning of the year, but the last two and a half months, it's been like, we're almost kind of waiting for Kyrie to do something, right? Barely made a ripple. Like, all of the national media is just wondering, do you trust Kyrie Irving? Do you trust Kyrie Irving? Well, guess what? Since he was suspended, he's come back, and literally nothing has happened other than being a really good basketball player. Yeah, it barely made a ripple so far with that team. Uh, like you say, after what happened at the beginning of the season, I don't want to minimize that. But since then, it's been next to nothing. And, and so, these two teams meet tonight kind of with that well in the rearview mirror, which is, I don't think, what any of us expected when we saw this game on the schedule three, four months ago. I just want to throw this line in from a Nets preview that you shared in your email. If I present it out of context, I wonder which team we would have thought we'd be talking about. How do you survive when everyone is sick of each other? <laughs> yeah, we, which team does that apply to now? It doesn't apply, it doesn't apply to the Nets. It, it and and honestly, that line was written in reference to DeAndre Ayton and how untenable that situation is. That situation's got to get better, and it's got to get better in a big, big hurry. Not 
just in terms of his production and how he's playing on the floor. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, well, before, actually, before we do that, I do want to remind you, because this is a big deal coming up, you can pick your level of Metallica. Single-day tickets for Metallica's M72 World Tour are on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. at LiveNation.com. Two nights, two different sets, no repeat weekends. Night one with Pantera on September 1st. Night two with Five Finger Death Punch on September 3rd at State Farm Stadium. Now when we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, we'll go through everything that's going on locally in sports tonight. It's a busy night, including low-key what is a really interesting game down the street in Tempe. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? A lot is on tonight. I even screenshotted it in my email. It almost took up the full page. I saw that. Mitch Vereldis, our producer, Eric Ruby, our afternoon contributor and update guy. They've been co-filling in for Gambo today. And uh, so, yeah, there was there was all sorts of emailing going back and forth today as Gambo is uh, at home uh, along with the, the rest of his family as they're getting through one of those kind of life's inevitable tough days when you when you have to say goodbye to a pet that's a member of your family it can be it can be a hard day so gambo took the day off today and uh hopefully he'll be back with us tomorrow we hope um so it's been it's been me and the kids hanging out doing the show today and this is what's on tonight now i'll end with the one that we're going to talk about for a few minutes uh we've got the capitals and the coyotes tonight that is a seven o'clock face-off you'll hear it on the arizona sports app and on KTAR News 92.3 FM, you've got USC at U of A tonight. That game is televised on the Pac-12 networks. You've got the Nets taking on the Suns. We'll also talk about that one, too. We've been talking about that a lot throughout the course of the day. You'll also hear that one on the Arizona Sports app and, of course, here on 98.7. And then you've got UCLA, fifth-ranked in the country, taking on ASU tonight down at Desert Financial Arena. That game, as I mentioned, starts at 8 30 you can hear that one on the Arizona Sports app and on ESPN 620 really quickly we have two Arizona sports teams with professional win or prof- two Arizona sports professional teams with wins two total wins are we going to match that total tonight with the Suns and the Yotes Eric and bump it to four. Oh man uh when you put it that way I'm going to have to say no no I think I'd be happy with one. <laughs> I'll take at this point. We're out such a we're out such a mediocre year. Uh, All right, which one are the, you picking then? Yotes hosting the Capitals or the Suns hosting the Nets? I think the Suns are going to win tonight. I think the Suns are going to win tonight. Got the Suns. Put me down for the Suns. Put me down for the Suns as well. I, I think I think the Suns are going to get, if not a classic performance from Cam Johnson. I think they're going to get a lift from Cam Johnson, and I think they're damn glad to not be in a hotel room somewhere. And they're going to be rested. They haven't played since Monday, Monday and and so I, I I got them. I got them winning tonight. Maybe it's a twofer. Maybe we're in here tomorrow and the local teams go to, you know, the local professional teams. A moment or two on ASU, if we could. Um, this is for most of the Big games that we talk about ASU playing in conference typically are against U of A. Uh, this has got a little bit of a different slant to it. UC- UCLA is the number one team in the conference. 
ASU right now is number two in terms of conference record. ASU is right on the fringe of being a top 25 team, and based off of the most, most of the projections, they're a bubble team. Certainly their ability to make the field in a month and a half from now would be bolstered big time by a win against the Bruins tonight. Eric, I'll start with you. I'm looking at Desmond Cambridge Jr. He won Pac-12 Player of the Week. The first person to take home that hardware since Remy Martin in 2019-20. Wow. He has been on fire. He averaged 21 points per game on 53% shooting during their sweep of the Oregon schools. ASU's first sweep of the Oregon schools since 2010. I really have not seen an ASU basketball team play like this under Bobby Hurley in his entire time at ASU. And I was at ASU while he was there. It is great to see them play team basketball. Anybody can step up. But Des Cambridge Jr., if they're going to beat UCLA tonight, he's got to be that guy. Well, we saw the news that both Des and Dev were transferring from Auburn to Arizona State. It felt like a nice pick-me-up move after we got all excited before you know COVID struck the season down when Josh Christopher and Marcus Bagley both committed to ASU. And unfortunately, that led to a lot of disappointment. And then even last year where there was calls for Bobby Hurley to be fired. He's not leading this program in a great direction. This is a much welcome and much needed bounce back for Bobber Hurley's club. They clearly have scouted a lot better and we haven't even mentioned back. They're doing this without Bagley. They don't even need him That's right now part. on the floor. Yeah. And he used to be their number one option every yeah. single night. Um, I was reading John Wilner, a guy that I think we all kind of trust when it comes to all things Pac-12. He was writing about kind of the tournament, and he spent a lot of time writing about ASU. And he said, the thing about ASU you got to keep in mind is that usually Bobby Hurley schedules really, really tough non-conference. This year, the, the ones they tried to schedule that were tough weren't so tough tough and the schedule the non-conference schedule is not the shining part of their resume so in his kind of estimation ASU had better hope that they continue to play well in conference because if this thing keeps going if they're on the bubble in a month from now that might be the real weak spot on their resume is that their their non-conference strength of schedule just is not very good relative to other teams that they'll be compared to that loss to San Francisco is going to be held against them. Um, how do you counterbalance that? You counterbalance that with quality wins. Tonight against UCLA would be a really, really good place to start. And, man, we're so used to that building for big moments like this. You know, when it's U of A, it's like half ASU fans, half U of half ASU, half U of A fans. I'm hoping tonight it's all rowing in the one direction. Or I think, at least 75% yeah, in favor. I just, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of the atmosphere of the building, but it's a good, fun night. Looking forward to doing that. That's going to do it for us. We're out here. Eric, great job. Mitch, great job. We made it. Filling in for Gambo. We are out of here. We'll see you tomorrow, straight up 2 o'clock, here on the Burns and Gambo Show. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.